many people are asking that question, where is where is God in all of this? And it's a heavy question. That and it's a great question. It's a great question that directs us right to the point of of where we can share the gospel and we can share what the, the at least the biblical worldview uh, for those who are or who are have a, a discerning heart and want to hear and to know what the what the Lord is doing, what the Bible speaks of, of 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 all in that, um, and and in that the connection that I kind of made with that with with Psalm chapter one is that we go to the Bible, right? The the answer is in the Bible, and, and there are people who in that article professionals of religion of certain kinds and and they all gave their opinions but there were only a few that actually directed people back to the scriptures to look at the word of god i mean that's a again as if that's a novel thing so so for us as the people of god when we when we want to uh, understand and know how do we then live in a situation like we're living in today we we go to the bible we look to the to the scriptures, we look to the to the Word of God, and and I, I think one of the most simplistic places of all the scriptures that that speak to us about God and who we are and what God requires of man, in a sense, is from Psalm chapter one. And so I wanted to look at Psalm chapter uh, one. I, I I love Psalm one. It, it is it is it's great, and and if and I'm sure if many of y'all are are familiar with, with Psalm chapter 1. And, and so we're going to unpack Psalm chapter 1 this morning, and I want to show you what, what's going on there. So if you didn't get the questions this morning, I'll, I'll go ahead and um, I'll just kind of read them off to you real quick, kind of get an idea, and then at the end we'll ask them, we'll ask them uh, together again, and we'll respond uh, cohesively, uh, uh, Lord willing, at the end. So the first question is, how has the gospel informed our obedience? And you'll see from the text that it's a, the walking, standing, sitting that we see in the text. So how has the gospel informed our obedience, delighting, and our meditation? Uh, you'll understand what we're getting at when we, when we look at the scripture. Uh, number two, how does abiding in Christ and him abiding in you produce in the fruit of the Spirit? Produce fruit of the Spirit. Question number three, what have you gained from Psalm 1 this morning? So that's a, that's a uh, question that's bringing it all, to, all together for us. Well, let's, let's look at, um, at Psalm 1 and let's read it together. So looking at, at Psalm chapter 1, let's read it. Starting in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. And in all he does, he prosper. The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And this is the word of the Lord. And may we see it and hear this inspired truth for us this morning for his glory and for our joy. 
So Psalm 1, the very first psalm out of 150 psalms. So this is, this is the one that, that, that opens the gate for us to the rest of, of, of the psalms. We've covered over the last couple weeks Psalm 107, Psalm 90, Psalm 34. And, and every one of those psalms that we've talked about these last three weeks, they had a, they had a title to them. And, and in that title, it gave us a, a context of what was, what was going on. And this particular psalm doesn't give us a title. And, and you, you see an editor's title in your, in your Bible, but that's not a title given, from, given in the scriptures. Um, and, and nor does this title tell us who the, to the, author, who the author is. Now, uh, it's really safe to say that this was uh, David who, who wrote this. Uh, that the Lord inspired David to, to, to write Psalm 1. Now, when, when you look at this psalm and you spend time in, in, in all of the psalms in particular, uh, or all the psalms, you realize that Psalm 1, what it's really doing for us is it's kind of the title itself for the whole Psalter. It's, it's like the, the title for, for the whole entire 150 psalms all together. So this, these six verses, they, they work together almost as a, a summary of the whole Psalms. And in fact, it's, it's almost works together as a summary for the entire Bible. It, it works together almost as a summary for the, the, the whole Bible. Psalm one shows us who God is. It shows us who we are. It shows us what the Lord expects of us as well as showing what true blessing is. It's telling us what real blessing is. And then when you look at Psalm 1 through the lenses of the New Testament, and thankfully we have the we can do that because we have the New Testament, we, we see the hope of the gospel even in this psalm. And I look forward to sharing you with you that this morning. So in truth, this, this psalm shows us truly what the blessed man is, who the blessed man is, and that is the righteous man. The blessed man is the righteous man. Now, uh, the book of Psalms is made up of various psalms. Uh, we talked about psalms of thanksgiving, songs of worship, songs of praise, Psalms of Lament. We've covered a spectrum of those over the last couple weeks. Um, this morning, Psalm 1 is a psalm of wisdom. And it's a psalm of wisdom uh, because, uh, and, and you might notice just from reading it, that it reads a lot like a, uh, like a proverb. It, it sounds a lot like a, a, a proverb. So, so in this, there is wisdom being given to us like a proverb of what true blessedness is and what it means to be righteous. And that man is righteous as compared to the wicked. Wisdom is this, righteousness is this, blessing is this, wickedness is, is that. Um, wisdom is, as it tells us here, wisdom is knowing the Lord. Wisdom is knowing uh, uh, the Lord. The Proverbs even tell us what is wisdom. Wisdom is the fear of the Lord. We, we, we've read uh, uh, Proverbs 1-7 uh, over the last couple weeks. It's interesting how it's just kind of feeding back into what we are uh, again seeing in 
the Psalms. Wisdom is knowing the Lord, it's fearing the Lord, and it's living under his authority. And that's what we've been seeing over the last uh, couple weeks. And experiencing then, as Psalm tells us, the blessing of doing so. The blessing of knowing the Lord, of fearing the Lord into being in under his uh, authority. So that's, that's in a sense, this, this Psalm of wisdom is, is showing us that, that righteous one, that wise one, that person who follows the Lord and all of his waves lives according to the righteousness of the Lord. Now, from the very beginning, I want to just go ahead and let the cat out of the bag of, 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 I think what this Psalm is really pointing to. And, and, and I think it's the key to helping us understand this Psalm entirely uh, and this Psalm of wisdom. I think uh, Psalm 1 is ultimately pointing us to the, to the fulfillment of Christ. I think it's pointing us to who Jesus is and what Jesus is going to do and what he, and for us, it's what he has already done and what he has already accomplished. Who is that blessed man? Who has walked perfectly in righteous? Who has not walked in the counsel of the wicked, stood in the, the, the way of sinners, nor sat in the seat of scoffers? Who has perfectly delighted in the law of the Lord and upon it daily now he meditated upon it? Who has done that? That is Christ and in Christ alone. All right, so so in this, we, we need to understand first and foremost that the fulfillment of Psalm chapter one, I think is Christ. And it's a, a picture of, of Jesus and what Jesus was going to do. He's the, he's the perfect example who resisted sin. Uh, he was perfectly obedient to the, to the Father. So I want you to remember that as we, as we kind of uh, dig down into Psalm chapter one and as we unpack each verse uh, uh, this morning, that it's perfectly fulfilled in Christ. And so, so that's the gospel connection in this, uh, in this text this morning. So, so, so take note of, of, of that. So let's look at, at verse one this morning. Verse one shows us a contrast. It shows us a contrast. So look at verse one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So I think the contrast is obvious here. It's it's like uh, the differences between this is light and this is darkness. This is a desert and this is the the lush rainforest. Right um, here is the blessed man and here is the wicked. The blessed man starts off with with uh, the blessed man describing the blessed man first by what he does not do, right? So what he is not, what he is not doing. Uh, um, the, the blessed man is not walking in the counsel of the wicked. He's not standing in the way of sinners, nor is he sitting in the seat of scoffers. Well, what does it mean then? What is that blessed man? Well, the blessed man is is, is not what the Bible would say, uh, or what the blessed man tells us is, is that the, that man is not in particularly wealthy, Right, so so these are misconceptions that we that the world has. What a blessed man is that it's not someone who's particularly wealthy. Uh, a blessed man is not necessarily someone who's in uh, uh, good health. Uh, a blessed man is not necessarily someone who's popular or 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 famous. Uh, a blessed man is not necessarily someone who is who is overtly talented and known uh, 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 by the world, but. But rather, a blessed man is marked by their righteousness before the Lord. 
The blessed man is marked by their righteousness before the Lord. Their obedience to the word of God. The blessed man is one who is satisfied by the Lord and finds joy in him. Not in the things in which God has given him, right? We are not satisfied in the things that we are been given by God, but we are satisfied in him alone. We are satisfied in the gift giver rather than the gifts. The description of the blind man, or the blessed man, excuse me, uh, again, tells us what then he does not do. He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, which means the, the blessed man is not influenced by the world, right? The way that he walks doesn't show, or the way he lives his life, the demeanor of his life, his posture toward life and how he does life is, is not one that's been influenced by the world. His path has not been set by the world, right? The path that he walks is not, has not been set by the world, right? So, so the path that's been set by the world there that's easily paved by the world has, is being followed by millions and millions and millions and billions of people all around us and throughout history have been following that particular path. But the blessed man, this now righteous man, is not that path. But it's a path rather influenced by the God and given to us by God rather than uh, um, the world. To walk in the counsel of the ungodly is to consent to their to their wicked plots. So a quote that I read this this week, and I'm going to continue that quote as we go through each each of these particular points. So that he does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Second, he he does not stand in the way of sinners. He does not stand in the way of sinners. Rather, he finds his satisfaction in the Lord. He doesn't rest or find satisfaction in the, the temporal things of the world. He doesn't desire, uh, have the, the desires of the, the flesh does not, does not rule them, doesn't rule them. There's, there's self-control to them a self-control that has been bound by the by the uh, by the word of god been bound by the word of god empowered by the holy spirit so doesn't find their satisfaction their rest their joy in the world and does not stand in the way of sinners nor does he sit in the seat of scoffers he does he sit in the way the seat of scoffers he doesn't display a satisfaction or or rest in, in, in the lost delights, right? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't find, uh, doesn't display to the world this, this loathsome, loathingness of, of the things that he's lost in the Lord, the things that he's lost because he's following, uh, because he's following God. He's not disappointed by, by the exchange, in a sense, that he has done to follow the, uh, follow the Lord, his display to the world, right, is, is to boast in Christ. He doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers, right? The seat of scoffers is what? Complaining, grumbling, teaching others the, the, how to practice evil and to, to follow wickedness. So this is the, the, uh, the path, the, uh, um, uh, uh, the place that we stand and the, and the place we, we sit 
is, is not in the way of sinners. It's not in the way of the counsel of this world or the wicked or the, the seat of, uh, of scoffers. But we'll see what the but is in a minute in verse, in, in verse 2. So uh, think of all the places in this world that, and, and I mean physically in this world, that you would not go to today. The, the places where you're like, no, I'm not going there. I'm not going to this place. Think of all the places you would not go, you wouldn't walk through, the streets you wouldn't walk through, or the places you would stand in, or the, the particular seats would you would you would sit in. There's there's a common sense advice, right, that, that we know when we think about those particular places that like, nope, I'm not going there today. I'm not sitting in that place today. I'm not walking there. I'm not going to this particular place uh, today because common sense tells you that that's unsafe. That that's not good for you. It's not going to build you up. It's probably it could hurt you physically, emotionally, whatever it may be. And and the the psalmist is showing us in a sense that the the blessed man has the wisdom to know the common sense, the intelligence, the understanding through experience, not to walk in the way of the counsel of the the wicked, not to stand. Uh, uh, with uh, uh, with the sinners, nor to sit in the seat of scoffers, because you find no delight there. There's there's no redeeming value at all to to go and find delight or pleasure or meaning or identity or joy in any of those places. So so verse one is setting up for us the contrast uh, between the wicked man and the blessed man, the, the righteous man and the one who will face uh, 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 judgment. And, and the point here is that the righteous man is obedient. The righteous man is obedient. And so from, from this point forward, may, may the, this, the word of God, in a sense, wash over us uh, to analyze our hearts and our lives, to, to, to show us the places where we are walking the places where we are standing and where we are sitting. It may be physical places that we are going to. It may be places in our mind, places in our, our hearts that we are, are trying to, uh, uh, that we are going to in these, in, in these days. And, and may the word of God wash over us and compel us and to lead us and to guide us out of those things, but seek righteousness and seek blessedness. Now remember, Put this underneath the umbrella of the righteousness of Christ. Now, it goes on. Verse 2 gives us clarity now. It gives us clarity because it shows us now. Now, these are the places where the blessed man is not going, but look where the blessed man is focused toward. Look where he is focused toward. And and it says there in verse 2, but his delight, I love that word, delight is in the law of the Lord is in the law of the Lord. In his law, he meditates day and night. So instead of uh, walking, sitting, and standing in the ways of the world, the blessed man is doing something. He's, he's doing something. He's, he's active. He's not passive. He's not sitting back waiting, but he is, he is active in a great spiritual work of truth, of wisdom, of gaining truth. What is he doing? Number one, he's delighting. He's delighting, and he's delighting in something. His delight is in what? His delighting is in the law of God, in the law of the Lord. 
Now that is interesting. That is that is interesting because we look at the law and we think to ourselves what? We think judgment. We think condemnation. We think hopelessness because we know that none of us are are, are good and we know that the law stands in, to, to condemn us and to re- show us our sin and show us our need. But the law also shows us what? The holiness of God. It shows us the character and nature of God. It reveals to us the, the goodness of, of God. And the psalmist is saying that the blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. Because it's where he can know God. He tells us to delight in it, right? To delight in it. That's our that's our that's that that's an area or a place where our hearts are. It's a, it's an area of of emotion. It's it's where our hearts go to. It's where our souls are are stirred into. Our affections are are stirred up and 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 riled up by the law of God. By the law of the Lord, because it's in our hearts, it's our souls, where the battle for our affections are won or lost. And what the psalmist is telling us is that the law of God is sufficient for your delight. It is sufficient for your delight. So we love the law of God. We delight in the law of God, the word of God, because it's where we see him. It's where we can understand him and love him. Now, I want to make a distinction here that the psalmist used that word delight very particularly. He did not say knows the law of God. He says, but delights in it. There's a big difference between knowing God's word and delighting in God's word. Now, you have to know God's word to delight in it. You can't delight in something that you do not know. However, we must delight in what we know. We, we just can't assume that if, if I read the Bible and read the scriptures like it's a textbook or it's like the newspaper or a blog just so that we can gain information that that's going to produce delight. It's not. There, there are many people out there who know God's word very well, know it a whole lot better than I do, and yet do not delight in God. In fact, they would probably, a lot of them would even deny the authority of God or even the existence of God altogether. So there is a big difference between knowing and delighting. And the righteous one, the blessed man, delights in the law of God. And how does he do that? He meditates on it. He meditates on the word of God. Now, we, we hear that word, uh, uh, we've heard that word in, in culture, but most of the time it's, it's used in, in speaking of other religions. It's talking about uh, other religions that, uh, that people uh, meditate, and, 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 and what they mean by meditation is, is they empty their minds, right? So they want to drain their minds of all the stress and all of life and all of uh, knowledge of empirical things so that they may gain some kind of uh, supernatural knowledge or something that comes from themselves, Right, So this is what other religions uh, say when they talk about meditation. But that's not Christianity. That's not what he's saying here, is it? 
He because what does he meditate on? He meditates on the word of God. So as Christians, followers of the 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 word of God, we are not emptying our minds, but we are filling our minds with the word of God. We are filling our minds with the word of God so that we could dwell on it, that we could study it, that we can contemplate it, that we can pray through it and that we would know it and that we would not only know it, but that we would believe it. And in that knowing and in that believing, in that faith, in that word of God as it's been washed over us, we delight in it in such a way because we know it renews our hearts and news renews our minds, Romans 12, 1 and 2. To meditate literally means to mutter and murmur over and over again over the word of God. It's like reading it over and over again, dwelling upon it. So, so meditating on the Word of God is different from just reading the Word of God. It's muttering and murmuring over it again and again, thinking upon it, dwelling upon it, letting it, letting it in a sense marinate over us and marinate in our hearts and, and into, our, into our souls. And that's what brings delight. That's what brings, brings delight. It's, it's like a it's like we come to the word of God like a like a dry sponge and we, we just soak it into the bucket, right? Into a bucket. And that sponge just absorbs all this water. And it fills itself, uh, it fills itself up and in in such a in such a way that the then like the, the one who treasures the word of God, that, that sponge in a sense just kind of like is squeezed out over us. Is squeezed out and it just drenches us in a delight for the law of God. And for what purpose? Again, to produce obedience. To produce obedience. So we are not walking in the counsel of the wicked, nor standing in the way of sinners or sitting in the seat of scoffers. It's to produce uh, uh, to produce obedience. And and also there's a time frame, day and night. And since there's this, there's this posture of our lives toward the scriptures. There's, a, there's a, always this gaze to the Word of God that when, whatever may happen in our day, from the smallest things to the big things, we answer the question by looking to the Scriptures and to thinking about the Scriptures and considering the Scriptures first before we go to Google or before we go to uh, someone else. But we look at the Scriptures because we delight in it and we look to it day and night. Now, verse 3. Verse 3 Move, move verses three and four now move us into a description of the of the blessed man and the wicked man. And verse three tells us about the blessed man that he is like a tree planted by streams of water. I love this verse, by the way. I love it. By streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. In all he does, he prospers. So verses 1 and 2 gave us the external marks of the blessed man, but verse 3 shows us and shifts us into this internal marks of the blessed man. And I'm going to give you a couple of those marks as he talks about here. He gives us here very specifically. Verse one, or, uh, The first one, mark 1, is the strength of the tree. Look at the tree. He is like a tree. When we think of a tree, man, I think of strength. I think of something that's strong. I think of something that's that's growing, that's maturity it's something that's showing life and vitality and that's what he's he's telling us it's a tree that's growing and maturing that's that's strong that's useful that's producing fruit as we will see 
So the mark of the of the first mark is that uh, the blessed man is what is strong and is getting stronger, is getting stronger. And how are they getting strong? How are they gaining their strength? Mark two, because they are drawing their strength from what streams of water, from streams of water. Now, the Middle East, as we all would uh, stereotype, that it's it's made up of. Uh, of desert, right? That's what we think about when we think of uh, um, the the Middle East. However, there are some areas, uh, uh, particularly in in Israel, in in particular valleys where the where rivers run through, and there's there's lakes that gather, like the Sea of Galilee and the River Jordan, where there are just lush areas of of of, of trees and. And, 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 and I mean, just growth. And that's why it's considered the breadbasket of, of the East, uh, Israel is because there's, there's such rich, uh, uh, strong water and strong soil that can, that can produce, uh, uh that can produce uh, such crops. Uh, and, 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 but what's striking is, is that you can travel, you know, just a couple miles or maybe even not. And you can see some trees that are, that are desert-like, that are scraggly and they got this gray color and, and they're not growing very strong and their, their roots aren't dug down deep. And then you can turn the other way and go another mile and you can see incredibly strong, huge trees uh, um, that, that have such great strength to them. Why? Because they have a source of water, a source of, of streams uh, and of, of water. So the difference that, that he's telling us here between the blessed man and the wicked man is obvious, is that, the, that the, the, the blessed man is growing like a tree and streams of by, because they're planted by streams of water. The streams of water that, what is he, what is he pointing to here? Well, back to verse two, the law of God. They're grounded in the word of God. Now, now we can look through this through the lenses of the New Testament, which is amazing to us because we know the word of God is Jesus Christ who said, I am the living water. So, so where do we plant our lives? Where do we gain strength? Where do we gain vitality and joy and flourishing? It's planted in the living waters of Christ. John chapter 4, um, Jesus tells Jesus was... Uh, uh, um, um, confronts the woman at the well he confronts the 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 woman at the well and and we we know what happens in that in that story and he tells he tells her i will give you what living water i would give you living water what was he speaking he's speaking of him of himself so the streams of water is christ you see, I mean, that when you when we can, can connect this to the rest of the scriptures, we see Psalm chapter one pointing us to some amazing things. The blessed man, the righteous man, finds their strength, their life, in the streams of water of Christ, the the living water. We are drinking not from empty wells. We are not drinking from a dry well, but we are drinking from living water. That is Jesus Christ. When we go to the scriptures and you read the word of God, you are turning to a well that will not dry up. You are turning to a well that will not leave you thirsty. Jesus is that living water. And no matter what comes our way, 
No matter what happens, there is still joy and satisfaction in him. No matter what trials, no matter what suffering, the blessed man will persevere because they are like a tree planted by streams of water. Their root systems are deep. Their roots are connected, abided in Christ. Connected in Christ and grounded in him. In the streams of water of Christ. So that's the second mark. That's a big one. Third mark. Producing fruit. This tree is producing fruit. It's a strong tree, but that tree is producing fruit. And they produce that fruit in season. A tree doesn't produce fruit for itself, does it? But a tree produces fruit for for others. The, the, true, the fruit is to be a blessing to others. Evidences of, of grace from the work of the living water that's poured over us, that, that's, that's growing us and maturing us and flourishing in, that fruit that is produced is meant to be a blessing to others. That's evidences of God's grace. It's meant to exhort and to encourage and to build up others that they would, would be encouraged by the work of the, of the Lord uh, by the by the work of the gospel, by the work of the uh, the word of God in someone's life. So so think about that. The encouragement that we see one another, that when we know each other in such ways, that we can point those things out and be blessed by, because we're seeing them maturing and growing in the word of God. And you receive the blessing of being growing, growing in the word of God. You tell that person that they're growing, and they receive the blessing of knowing. Hey, my goodness, this is God, not me. This is this is by his grace. This is by his mercy that he is doing these things in me, not me. I love that. What why else would we love the word of God? What else what else what else would could we attribute to a stronger prayer life and a desire to grow of of uh, grow as a disciple than to be able to see that it is God who is at work in our lives? Wow, that, you know, that, you know, just thinking about that, the fruit, that fruit is being produced for others, but when it turns around, it's also being produced for us. We receive the blessing of seeing that fruit grow in its season. I love that too. And the reason why is because that, when it says in its season, it speaks of a providence. It speaks of a particular providence of God, that God is the one who produces that fruit in season. Because there's some days and there's some times where there is no fruit. There's seasons of dryness. There's seasons of drought where there may not be. And we want to doubt and, and we want to turn away and we want to maybe uh, be discouraged. However, we trust in the providences of God. We trust that it's God's work in his way that we would still be the trees planted by the streams of water of the living God and that he would produce the fruit in our lives and in our, in our minds. You know, the New Testament tells us what kind of fruit we produce. Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Look what the fruit is. Look what the fruit does. Look what it, what it can produce in the life of a believer and the encouragement that it gives the church 
in each person, in each believer. The fourth mark is that it tells us that it, that we are uh, sustained, that we are perse- that we will persevere. You see that the the leaf does not wither, meaning we're ready, always ready to produce fruit as God wills, as God works. The leaf does not wither. We persevere in Christ. We persevere in Him. He makes us last. He gives the life. The leaf does not wither. Mark number five, we are strengthened to prosper and flourish. To prosper. I, uh, that's another great one, right? To strengthen, to be prospered, and to flourish. Um, and, and what that tells us, that just resets in our minds. It resets in our hearts and our souls what success is. Right? Think about all the ways the world is telling us what success is. What, what blessedness is. You know, um, last, um, last week, sometime, I was with uh, my neighbors and we were stopped at a, uh, we, were, we went, we got to go do some fishing. And um, anyways, we were on the way back and we stopped at a, a store and I was walking with him through the parking lot and he saw this car that, on, you know, you know, those front license plates that people have, it says blessed on them. And it happened to be like a, you know, probably like a 98 Oldsmobile, you know, just something old and kind of dilapidated. And, and I remember my, my neighbor saying, blessed, how could you be blessed driving that? And, I, and my, my soul just was first was just kind of stirred by that and tickled by that and go, and I was like, man, that's not blessedness, dude. And what you drive? Because you're just going to go get another car. What's blessedness? Right? And, and that's what this, this passage is really resetting for us. Because the world's view of blessedness and success is what? Is in the counsel of the wicked. It's in the way of sinners that are in the, the seat of scoffers of, of what you drive, and what kind of house you have, and what kind of job you have, and the kind of clothes you wear, in the shallowness of those things. They think that's blessedness. In fact, there's, there's a false gospel tells you that that's blessedness. And what we're seeing here, that's not blessedness. Blessedness is being rooted in the word of God in being fed by the living water of Christ. That's blessedness. That's joy. Not in the car you drive. Not in the house that we live. And so there's this reset of what success is that's taking place here. I think a lot of people are learning that lesson right now the hard way as things are being taken away. Things are being taken away physically from people right now. And, they're, and they have found all their identity and all this stuff and all of their success and all they think that this is blessedness. How many feel like Job this morning? Brothers and sisters, let's find our blessedness in what the word of God tells us. Being strengthened by the living water. By strength, being strengthened by the living water. That's what the blessed man turns to. That's the description of the wicked or the the blessed man. But verse four gives us the description of the wicked man. The wicked are not so, but they are like what? Chaff that the wind drives away. So so now we get the image of the chaff and the wheat. So this this is New Testament language again, right? This is stuff that we've heard 
We've heard uh, John the Baptist say. We've heard Jesus talk about the the wheat and the chaff and judgment. Where uh, when when judgment comes, they would uh, the the righteous will be like the wheat that will that would be sustained, but the wicked they would be like the chaff that the wind uh, uh, blows uh, uh, away. And and this again is a contrast between between the goodness of wheat and the uselessness of the chaff, the blessed man or the and the the wicked man. And here the the chaff are the the wicked man so the blessed man again remember they're grounded they're rooted they're rooted in by streams of living water jesus christ they are producing fruit and in that they are able to withstand adversity but in judgment the wicked man will be weak they will be weak those who think they are strong in their blessings of life of things of the world where they think they're successful in there's they're going to find that those things are going to fail them and that they are weak because those things are hollow there's nothing in them there's nothing that can in them that can withstand the the blowing of the the wind that they are hollow they are shallow and that they will be blown away in judgment they will be blown away in judgment so, so this passage, the description of the wicked is telling us the, the outcome of the wicked and also their lives. The things that they are trusting in are hollow. They're, they're, they're meaningless. There's no taste. There's no usefulness to the things that they are trusting in. And then when judgment comes, they will, they will blow away. And as the New Testament tells us, they will be burnt up. That the chaff will be, will be burnt up because of their fruitless work all the things that people are pouring their lives into even good things i mean there's there's so many good things that are that are noble and and heroic and beautiful that people work for the betterment of of man and they're things that we can even look back and we can even applaud them for because we do see some good in that and we can appreciate their work and we can give glory to god in those uh, particular things however the fruit, that's not the fruit that lasts. Our work is not the fruit that lasts. Our work is not what saves us. It's not the, the, the righteousness that saves us. All of those things are just hollow. In fact, the Bible tells us that whatever is done not in faith is sin. We are pointed to Right here, humanity's greatest need. That we need an other righteousness than our own. And that the wicked, they're, they're trusting in the chaff. And they don't even know it. They're trusting in their works. And they're hollow. And they won't withstand in judgment. But it's pointing to us, humanity's greatest need, that we need an other righteousness. So the contrast, again, the blessed man, as we said from the very beginning, is Jesus Christ, who was perfectly obedient to the word of God. He delighted in it as the word of God, made flesh. He was the perfect picture of what a tree looks like when it's planted by streams of water. He is that perfect picture. He prospered perfectly. As that tree. He produced the greatest fruit, didn't he? He produced fruit in its season. 
and it produced the uh, it produced salvation that blesses many that gives grace to to many and then there's the wicked everyone else weak hollow no fruit in all of our works hollow weak no lasting fruit more about that in a minute look at verse 5 and 6 look what the outcome now is therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish but the way of the wicked will perish so what is he doing here in verses 5 and 6 he's summing it up you see the word therefore Right, And we've, we've said this several times. Whenever you look at the scriptures, whenever you read the Bible, whenever you see that word, therefore, you need to pay attention because it's summing up for us what's been going, what's been said. And, it's, it's tell, and then it's going to tell us a very important statement. Therefore, screams to us, hey, pay attention here. And this is the outcome. Like, so he really wants us to see this is the outcome of what? Of the wicked. So this psalm is coming to the conclusion and telling us the end of the wicked. The wicked will not stand in judgment because they are like the chaff. Right? They 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 what? They they fix their lives upon a faulty foundation, a sinking sand. They've trusted in husks and ashes of this world as being their defense, as being their righteousness of what they can do. And it stands as nothing compared to the righteousness of God and before the, the judgment of God. No defense can be made on their behalf and judgment will come to the wicked. Judgment will come to the wicked. This, this is definitely pointing us to the, the final judgment that God will judge, that God will condemn the wicked. Now, again, let's point pulling this back to the to the larger picture of this psalm. The psalm's pick pointing us to the to Christ, but it's also revealing to us humanity. It's revealing to us to us all, even those outside of Christ. It's pointing us to the answering the question, then who are the wicked? Well, the Bible's obvious on that. I think Psalm 1 is, is pointing to what the Bible tells us out of whole, that outside of Christ, we are just like those of Ephesians 2, 1. And you were dead in the trespasses of your sin in which you once walked. Right? That's, that's where we all are. It's where all humanity exists. So in a sense, Psalm 1 is telling us that, listen, you can't be this person. In your own righteousness, you can't be this person because all you're the fruit you're going to produce is fruit of wickedness again we need an other righteousness romans 6 23 all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god all have fall short of the glory of god sinners will not stand in the congregation of the righteous incoming judgment judgment will come to the to the wicked and they will be separated from the righteous and they will be condemned and will not stand with the righteous verse six is one of those verses that just kind of should make us tremble for the lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish the Lord knows. Have you ever thought of that 
Or have you meditated on that lately? That God, all-knowing, knows all that we do, knows all that we say, knows all that we think. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a, that's a lot to comprehend there, that the Lord knows. But you know what the Lord also knows? And this is where we find hope as Christians. The Lord knows the righteousness of Christ. The Lord knows the righteousness of that blessed man. The righteousness of Jesus Christ. Quoted earlier, Romans 6, 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I think that's Romans 3, excuse me. Romans 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But it continues, and we, we've talked about this verse a lot uh, uh, previously. All have fall short of the glory of God and are justified. Christians, we are justified. Why? How? By His grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time that he might be the just and the justifier of the, of the one who has faith in Jesus. We are given his righteousness because Christ is the righteous one and because he has fulfilled the, the, the work of God for us. He was the perfect fulfillment of God's law. And how then are we blessed? We receive his righteousness by faith. Verse 25 of Romans 3. We receive it by faith. And we are justified that way because he bore the wrath of our judgment, our condemnation, the condemnation that was due to us who once were wicked, he bore for us. And the wrath of God was propitiated. It was satisfied for us. We don't turn to John chapter 3 very often. And I want to turn to John chapter 3 this morning. You can read with, if you want to follow John chapter 3. And we're going to start right there in verse 16. This is, this is Jesus' uh, conversation with, with Nicodemus at, at night. So look at John chapter 3, if you would, and read with me in verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him, pointing us back to the faith that we talked about in, in Romans 3, should not perish like the wicked from Psalm 1, but have eternal life. That we would have eternal life. Verse 17, For God did not send His Son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. The blessed man was sent into the world to be what? A blessing to the world. And what is that blessing? Salvation. Grace. Forgiveness. So that we might be saved through him. Verse 18. 
Whoever believes in him, faith is not condemned. How are we blessed? How do we then become that 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 blessed man? How do we move from the wicked man over to the over to the to the blessed man? We have faith in who? In the blessed man, in the righteous man of Psalm 1, Jesus Christ. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is what? Condemned already. So that's the state of the wicked man already. They're already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved darkness, right? They, they love the way of sinners or the, they love the walk in the counsel of the wicked. They love the way of sinners, the seed of scoffers. That's what they, that's what they love. They love darkness, but God has sent us the light and that light exposed that because of their evil works. Verse 20, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen in his works have been carried out in God. So what is he pointing to us here? The gospel of Jesus, what he's telling Nicodemus and what's being communicated to us this morning is that Jesus is that blessed man and those who have faith in Christ will be saved, that will be redeemed, that will be forgiven and that now will be made into that righteous man. And that we'll be blessed, that we'll be brought into the light. So then then our works, our righteousness that has all found its life and root in Christ and the works of Christ, we now produce these good works like the blessed man does in Psalm 1. So how then do are we obedient to, to Psalm 1? How do we walk in obedience to Psalm 1? It's in Christ alone. It's in Christ alone, by his grace. That is what is driving us in obedience to before the Lord is in Christ alone, by his grace. So Psalm 1, fulfilled perfectly in the person of Christ, it is a description of Jesus. And it's contrasted to the rest of the world. It's contrasted even to our own lives and even in who we are a contrast of his faithfulness to our unfaithfulness, right? And Psalm 1 is shouting to us and to the world to trust and to follow Jesus Christ, the righteous man, and then to be blessed in his fruit, in his righteousness, to be blessed in him. We are blessed in him and him alone because of his faith and because his obedience, even his obedience on the cross that led him to death on the cross. So it's only in Christ. It's only in Christ can any of us then be the blessed man. So there's there's two things then that we see in Psalm 1. It's pointing us to Jesus, that he is the blessed man, shows us our nature and our character and who we are. But then it also is pointing us then how we become the blessed man by following Jesus and then how he then is empowering us and driving us by his grace to be obedient. To be obedient to his word. To be firmly planted in the, the word of God. To the things that we then now delight in. The things now that we are delight in. That that is now our position in Christ as the blessed man, as the righteous man because of Christ. 
Is it that? Is it the perfect picture now? No. The perfect picture of the man planted by streams of water is Jesus. But we are certainly those in, those those imperfect uh, pictures. We're still a mess. We still sin. We we still turn away. We still want to drink from those empty and dry cisterns. We 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 get that we're not the picture the, the perfect picture. But yet the call of Psalm one is to come back to Jesus, to find our obedience and love in Him, and to delight in the Word of God once again. Because it's only in those streams of water that we will produce fruit in its season that will um, that will cause us to prosper that will cause us to have great joy in, that will encourage one another. These are the things that we must believe in this morning. These are the things that we must be compelled to this morning. So what what do we do now in this season? What do we do now in this this season that we're, we're living in? We go back to the basics. The basics of Psalm 1. The basics of looking to the righteousness of Christ, that true blessed man who has perfectly fulfilled the law of God and has produced for us a salvation and a righteousness that is not our own. And we live in that. We delight in that. We meditate on that day and night. And in him and by his grace, we produce the fruits of righteousness. Fruits of righteousness that that encourage others. We drink from the living water daily. We delight on what's true. We rely on his righteousness. That's what Psalm 1 is pointing us to this morning, brothers and sisters. And I pray and I hope that this is encouraging to you this morning as we looked at this most basic psalm, the the gateway of all the psalms, telling us what, in a sense, this is the title of the whole entire book. And I pray that it was an encouragement to you. So let's let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your kindness in showing us your word. We thank you that you have shown us how, how to live in Christ. But we thank you first and foremost for the righteousness that is in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Help us, O oh Father, to trust in that to delight in that, and that will be uh, the driving factor of grace that produces uh, great fruit in in our lives, that encourages one another. Heavenly Father, would you use this time now of of response to, to bring about your glory? And in Christ's name we pray. Amen.